Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of It Starts With Attraction. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing ItStartsWithAttraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to ItStartsWithAttraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. I want to ask you to do a simple exercise with me, if you will. And don't worry, it's nothing like 100 burpees or running a 5K or anything like that. You can do it no matter where you are or what you're doing. If you can, I would prefer that you sit down and close your eyes. But if you're on a walk or driving or doing something else, then at least try and get rid of any external stimuli happening. If you're cooking dinner, then maybe you want to pause this or leave everything on the counter until you do this quick one minute exercise with me. The goal is to just get to a place where you can kind of be alone with just me and you for just a couple of minutes. All right, now that you're settled, here's what I want you to do. Take a deep breath in. Fill all the way up, hold it, now let it out. Keep breathing. Breathe in and breathe out. As you continue to breathe, take a scan of your body, starting with your head. How do you feel in your neck, at the base of your skull? Right now, are you clenching your jaw? What about your shoulders? Are they hunched up towards your ears? Do you feel tense? How about your arms? What about your stomach and your low back? Do you feel any discomfort? Any pressure? What about your legs? Are they sore? Are they tired? Are you holding any tension there? How do you feel? Just even inside? Do you feel angry? Do you feel happy? Do you feel irritated? Do you feel stressed? Don't dwell on the feelings, but just be aware of what they might be. What about the feeling of the air on your skin. How does that feel to you? Are you aware of any other noise happening outside of listening to me? Maybe you hear birds or a TV. What do you hear? Is there anything you smell? Take another breath in and breathe out. How do you feel now? Do you feel a little less stressed? Maybe a little calmer? Maybe a little happier? What you just did was a mindfulness practice. And in today's episode, I'm going to give you five examples of ways that you can be mindful in everyday life. Before I do that, I'm going to share with you what mindfulness actually is and why it matters to you. I'm going to uncover the research of a bunch of amazing findings that have happened in the field of mindfulness and how it relates to your mind, your brain, your body, and your behavior. You don't want to miss this episode. I can't wait to dive in with you. 
Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as us insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. Let's start by talking about what is mindfulness? I think it's one of those things that can be really scary to some people because they feel like it might be a religious practice. They don't know what they're doing. All they can think of is a bunch of people in India sitting and meditating with a bunch of Hindu gods around them. And I have to tell you that that couldn't be further from what the practice of mindfulness is. To put it simply, mindfulness is the ability and practice of becoming acutely aware of your present moment. Now there's a difference in mindfulness and meditation. Although some people use those two words interchangeably, they're typically a little bit different. When we talk about the word meditation, we're more so talking about a practice of silence and solitude, a time where you find a quiet location, where you sit and you close your eyes typically, and focus on something, whether it be your breath or a word or a mantra, and you hold that state of being for a period of time, five minutes, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 24 hours for some some of the gurus in that area that do things like that. That's typically what we refer to as meditation. That's not what I'm talking about necessarily in today's episode. Instead, I'm specifically talking about mindfulness. Now, mindfulness, again, is being acutely aware of your present moment. So this can be done as you are doing other activities. You can practice mindfulness when you're cooking. You can practice mindfulness when you're walking, when you're eating. There's a ton of different ways, which we'll talk about at the end of the episode. I'll give you five specific ways you can practice mindfulness in your daily life starting today. But first of all, I want you to understand why mindfulness is so important and what it actually does for your body. So let's look at some of the research that's out there on mindfulness. In 2008, Dr. Jeffrey Greeson decided that he would do a what is titled a mindfulness research update. But basically what that is, is he has taken a meta-analysis where he has reviewed 52 journal studies of empirical and theoretical work that were selected for review to be published into different journals and magazines of actual scholarly research. So he took 52 different studies that different researchers, different schools had done on the practice of mindfulness. And he put it into what is called a meta-analysis, where he's taking all of these, putting them together, and kind of making a, a collaborative piece of work that summarizes all of these other hundreds of pages of research into one space. It's a really great way to look at research because you're getting the best bang for your buck when you're looking at meta-analyses. But this was published in Sage Publications in the Complementary Health Practice Review in January 2009. He took all of this research from the decade before and amazing results came from it. He broke it down into four different areas of what mindfulness does for you, into how it affects your mind, how it affects your brain, how it affects your body, and how it affects your behavior. Let's just dive real deep into this 
right now. So for the mind, mindfulness was shown to help increase attention span, awareness, and acceptance of situations that people were going through, circumstances they found themselves in through having a meditation practice. And it also was associated with having lower levels of psychological distress, which basically means people who had anxiety had less anxiety. People who were experiencing depression began to see relief from their depression. Anger and worry, both of those began to subside as well in coordination with a mindfulness practice. And there was one study that he even highlighted in this part talking about how it affects the mind, where he talks about a group of students that for four weeks went through a mindfulness meditation training. And on the other side of that, mindfulness training had reduced distress by decreasing rumination, a cognitive process associated with depression and other mood disorders. Basically, what that means is before they tested these students and these students were experiencing distress. The way they were experiencing distress in their lives, because that's a very vague term, was by having constant ruminating thoughts. So negative thoughts that continued to present themselves over and over again in their minds, which I know many of you are experiencing as well. I've experienced it in my own life, but I recently did a survey of Pi's followers, people on the email list, and one of the number one things that kept coming up when I asked the question, where are you stuck in your life? More people said, I need to get control of my thoughts and stop thinking about the things that I have been thinking about so much. So for all of you that struggle with that, listen up, this whole episode is for you. But basically what they found was mindfulness started decreasing those ruminating thoughts. There was another clinical study that was done in 2004, and it was for eight weeks and again showed the same thing, a significant reduction in ruminative thinking with people who had a history of depression. So basically, putting it all together and summarizing it, it, it's really interesting to see that this practice of mindfulness can actually, it appears, seem to start reshaping the way that our thoughts come into our brains. And all we're doing is the kinds of things we were doing at the very beginning of this episode. But I'm not done. There's still so much more to talk about in this study. So another one was that a mindfulness scale development research or the mindfulness scale development research has found that people with higher natural levels of mindfulness, so they have been doing this in their daily life, they have a practice of it in some way, whether it's formal or not, they started to feel less stressed, less anxious, less de- less depressed, were more joyful, inspired, grateful, hopeful, content, vital, and satisfied with life. I don't know about you, but I want all of those things. I love all of that. And what's really amazing about this one is it's saying it didn't even have to be something that was professionally given. There are different types of therapists and counselors that actually use mindfulness guided tactics and in sessions that they guide their clients through. But it's saying it didn't matter if the people were having it done by their therapist or if they went through any kind of formal training on their own so that they could be mindful on on their own later. Even if you're just a newbie or a rookie like me, then doing these things in your life can begin to make a difference. And it's so easy and free. We'll talk more about it in a minute. 
But in addition to the mental health benefits of meditation and the mindfulness practice and cultivating, as Dr. Greeson says, the mindful awareness in daily life, simply being in a mindful state momentarily is associated with a greater sense of well-being. From a study that was done in 2006, we see that. Dr. Greeson goes on to say that research further suggests that people with higher levels of mindfulness are able to regulate their sense of well-being and have a greater emotional awareness. They have a better understanding of themselves and of the people around them. They have a better acceptance of situations they've gone through and situations that other people in their life are currently going through and just emotional wellness overall. This is huge in thinking about how to become a more emotionally attractive person. So when we think about mindfulness, it falls under the I, the intellectual part of attraction, when we think about it in terms of our physical, intellectual, emotional, spiritual attraction. It can have a a foot in every one of these doors, but it's really all about controlling your thoughts which falls right under that intellectual attraction, wanting to not only be the kind of person that other people want to talk to, but being able to live with my own mind inside of my mind, being the kind of person that I want to hear from myself in my mind when I talk to myself. These ruminating thoughts like we talk about, that falls right under this. But what's really fascinating is that as you begin to create a practice of being mindful, it seeps over into these other areas of your life. And I have a theory on to why. I'll get to that in just a minute. But here is the way that mindfulness can affect your brain. There's a number of studies that have showed how mindfulness and meditation practices in people who aren't professionals can influence areas of the brain in regulating attention, awareness, and emotion. So again, we keep seeing some of the same themes here. In 2007, an experimental study that was done that found that compared with control groups, basically these people went through a five-day meditation and mindfulness program, there was a significant improvement in the efficiency of executive attention during different computerized attention tests. So not only is it affecting our emotional well-being, helping us control our thoughts, helping anxiety, depression, anger, but it's also helping our mental ability, our creativity. It's helping us to be more attentive in the different things that we're doing, helping us do better on tests when we have to perform on things. Another key element of mindfulness is it helps us to recognize and label our emotions a little bit better. So there was some brain imaging that was done on some participants who did one mindfulness training and study that they were a part of, and it appeared that they had a greater ability to control emotional reactions in the middle part of the brain, where the amygdala is, which controls the emotions, by engaging the front part of the brain. So they actually got their brain to work with other areas of the brain so that they could better regulate their emotion, identify what emotions they had. And again, going back to it helped regulate their attention and their concentration. And so all of these things just showed in the brain when fMRIs and MRIs were done on it, that this this practice of mindfulness actually started making a difference in the way that their brains began firing. 
It started to change some of the neural pathways that were happening. Even those ruminating thoughts could begin to stop ruminating because the neural pathways of the brain that usually would fire to lead to thoughts like that, they began to change the neural pathways by just doing a mindfulness practice. And then the benefits that happen on the body in practicing mindfulness is it can help stress-related medical conditions like fibromyalgia, chronic low back pain, ADD, type 2 diabetes, psoriasis, so many of those things because the beneficial physical effects of mindfulness are helping you to better cope with the stress of daily life. And I love this. This is quoted by Dr. Greeson. He says, and to remember that there's usually more right with the body than wrong. So much of what we experience in our bodies, in sickness and in pains and in different things that happen, it's amazing how much of it relates back to stress. I heard a couple of months ago about how stress is actually the number one disease, so to say because it is the underlying condition of so many of the health problems that we have. And we get stressed when we're always on. We're always thinking, we're always doing, we're always running from one thing to the next. It's not the way we were meant to be or the way we were meant to live. So in beginning to stop that cycle, we begin to decrease the stress and therefore the stress-related conditions that we have in our body can begin to heal. Mindfulness plays a huge part in that. Dr. Greeson continues by saying there's promising findings from behavioral research that suggests that mindfulness training may help people experience stress and negative emotions without acting impulsively and self-destructively by doing things to attempt to self-soothe. So another way, and this relates to how it affects our behavior as well, Another way that mindfulness has a positive effect on us when we do it is that we begin to be able to stop self-destructive behavior. The way that we act out when we feel overwhelmed or we feel not good enough and then we turn to food or drugs or sex or things that we know we shouldn't because we're trying to overcome the pain that we feel inside. We don't want to feel it. In mindfulness though, we begin to become comfortable with hearing our own thoughts, with being alone, and with identifying what our emotions are, and it can stop that cycle. Mindfulness may also promote better health by improving sleep quality, which we know is typically disrupted by things like stress, anxiety, and difficulty turning off the mind, which mindfulness is able to help all of those things. You guys, this is the research. (laughs) 52, 53 studies that were all summarized here amazing results. So I think the biggest question here is why are all of us not doing a mindfulness practice on a day-to-day basis? And you know, it's even interesting to me because when I actually stop and think about what mindfulness is, it's just being present. There's nothing weird about it. There's nothing mind-blowing about it. There's nothing really that's rocket science or neuroscience about it. It's something that's accessible to us literally right now, wherever we are. So why do we not do it more? I feel like this is probably what people in like the 1700s or 1600s or 1800s did when they were doing whatever they were doing. 
They didn't have the distractions of TV, Google Homes, iPhone, a car to have to go everywhere in the world to. When they were doing their cooking and their reading and their being with their family, they had to be present. Now, of course, there's a part of mindfulness that doesn't necessarily have to do with technology, but I do believe that in our current world and the way that we're used to living, we are used to distractions. It's so easy. A couple of years ago, I went on a silent retreat. I went to a monastery for three days, and at the monastery, it was it was a silent monastery. You didn't talk. No one talked. And I thought, this is going to be great. It's going to be so relaxing. I can't wait. Just me alone, just to be able to think and pray and write and do everything. So I get there, unload, and start to settle in. And it was so quiet. And I know that sounds ridiculous because I went to a quiet retreat. But I mean, there was no background noise. There was no TV that I could turn on. I made a vow to myself that I wasn't going to turn on my cell phone. Actually, at that point in my life, I had a flip phone, so I didn't even have the ability to turn on my cell phone and use it as a way, as a crux, as something to lean on. And what I found was it was the most uncomfortable I had ever been being alone with my own thoughts. I didn't realize just how much I actually put around me in my day-to-day life to avoid thinking about things I didn't want to think about. And when I was face-to-face with nowhere to hide, nowhere to go, it honestly terrified me. I'm glad I did it. I want to do it again because it's something I want to grow in and become more comfortable with being alone with my thoughts like that. But it really brought to light for me just how much I depended on my phone or TV, or even the distraction of my husband sometimes. And that's not to say that my relationship with him is not a good thing. It is. But how often do I try and cover up things that I actually need to deal with by saying, hey, babe, like, let's just watch Parks and Rec or whatever it might be. Now, the thing is, I wanted to be mindful when I was on my silent retreat. What made it difficult for me to be in the present moment as I was there was that all of these emotions and feelings and thoughts and stories I was telling myself about myself that I had never dealt with kept coming up. That's why it was so hard for me to be present and mindful and aware while I was there. Now, the practice of mindfulness is to get us to get in a rhythm of being aware of our here and now in such a daily rhythm that we're able to deal with the emotions that come and the stories that we tell ourselves in real time. So they don't have to accumulate for weeks or months or years till you get to the point where when everything is silent and everything else is shut out, that it's all coming up at once. That was very difficult. So doing it in this way, where you're taking 5, 10, 20 minutes a day, whatever you can actually do and commit to to fit into your schedule, will begin making a difference in all of the things that the research talks about, in your attention span, in your ability to regulate emotions, identify your own emotions, work through them, dealing and managing anxious thoughts. The list 
goes on because you're teaching yourself to be present and in the moment, to stop the cycle of picking up your phone, of constantly checking social media or email or your to-do list, or feeling like you have to give and give and give of yourself until you're completely empty. And then you don't know how to fill yourself up again. Mindfulness is putting you in a practice of filling yourself up. That way you're better able to give to others when needed, but you can't neglect yourself. So you don't even have to do the extreme of going on a three-day silent retreat because we can get the benefits of what something like that can do for us by having a daily mindfulness practice. But here are the things that you need to be aware of first, because I don't want you to try to put in this mindfulness practice you get so excited about, and then you're blindsided about how difficult it actually is. So the struggle is to stay in the present moment. And again, we'll talk about examples of exactly what this looks like, but in mindfulness, it's different than meditation. So don't think that you're having to carve out this room in your house and put a bunch of candles in it and sit there and just be completely silent for two hours on end. That's not what this is. But no, even if you're doing something, cooking, walking, whatever it might be, we'll give more examples in a minute, the struggle is still going to be staying in the present moment. Thoughts of yesterday or your childhood or your to-do list or something that you regret from 10 years ago, those things are going to pop into your mind. I don't know if it's just me, but I will be doing the most random thing. And all of a sudden I will remember about something I said to someone 15 years ago that I still feel bad about, or I'll remember something that happened to me that I'm embarrassed about or shameful of. And it, it just comes at the strangest times. And they will definitely come when you're trying to be silent. But mindfulness is creating a gentle practice of training your brain to let go of those thoughts and come back to the present, to not get stuck there and then start telling yourself a story about how maybe you're not good enough because of that thought that you had. If you tell yourself, don't think that, then you won't be able to stop thinking about it. We're getting into a practice of allowing ourselves to have the thoughts, but not dwelling on the thoughts. When I was going through yoga teacher training, one of the things that we learn, of course, is this practice of mindfulness and meditation. Yoga is a very mindful uh, activity that you can do. And so one of the things that one of the teachers would say, if any thought comes into your mind of, you know, what you have to get at the grocery store later, or the fight that you had with your husband last night, or whatever it might be, just picture it as a cloud that's just floating by. It's not a fly that you're trying to swat out of your mind. But instead, you're just lying on the grass. And it's one of the clouds that's just floating by and just allow it and watch it as it continues on. I don't know if that's something that might help you or work for you, but one thing that I started doing was instead, when I would have those thoughts, I would just thank my mind for trying to be helpful. But I would tell my mind, I don't need that thought right now. Thank you for trying to help me out about reminding me what I need to get. Thank you for trying to help me work through what happened to me five years ago, but I don't need that reminder right now. 
We can talk about it later. That might sound crazy. It's something that works for me. Or you could just simply let the thought pass. This is why, at least for me, mindfulness is more accessible than meditation because I can be doing something as I'm doing my mindfulness practice. It can be very difficult for me to sit there or lie there, closing my eyes, trying to focus because that's when the thoughts I feel come the most. Mindfulness is more accessible as I could be out for a walk or I could be taking a shower and I'm simply focusing on exactly what I'm doing in that moment. I can be doing any activity. And the goal is to be aware of everything I am doing. How does my body feel? What do I see around me? What do I hear? How do I feel right now emotionally? What's going on in my present life? It's all about giving yourself permission to feel the way you feel without judgment and learning how to accept it and learning how to accept yourself. So without further ado, here are the five ways that I recommend that you start trying your mindfulness practice, or as I like to call it, being mindful pies style. Now, here are the rules for mindfulness in this. You have to disconnect. This is my number one rule, and you absolutely have to do it. Leave your phone or, you know, Turn it off and put it in your back pocket if you don't want to be without it because of safety issues. But get disconnected. Turn off the noise. Stop the scrolling. Put the phone away, whatever you're doing. And do everything you can to find some inner quiet. So if you need to start off your mindfulness practice by doing some jumping jacks or doing something to just get some energy out of you so that you can feel a little calm and less jittery as you're trying to be mindful, great, do it. And if you want to time it because you're saying, I don't know how to do this, I don't know what it's going to be like, then just set a timer for two minutes and tell yourself you will not go over two minutes and then increase it one minute every time. Start with something that is accessible to you, but you have to disconnect first. So you're like, how do I disconnect and put a timer on? Get a sand timer. Do whatever you have to do. Do a microwave timer. I don't care. Just not your phone or your computer if you can. So those are the rules. Here are the ways that you can be mindful in your daily life starting today. The first way is physically. And specifically by moving and by eating. So think about the last time that you actually moved outside or inside, just whatever, if you were working out or whatever it might be, and you were paying attention to what you were doing. When you went on a walk, were you on your phone the whole time, talking to someone, scrolling, whatever it might be, or were you disconnected and looking at the world around you? There's some interesting studies that came out of a journal called Mindful about how there are so many benefits of practicing mindfulness outdoors. There was a review that they did, and it showed that having the experience of a natural environment calls your attention more than being in your garage or in your house. And it lessens the tendency for your mind to wander and to remain in the present. 
it helps you in your mindfulness practice when you're able to be out in nature on a hike or at a park and being mindful, practicing mindfulness, maybe on a walk or a hike or a run, whatever it might be, when you're outside. Now, there's a ton of other benefits of being outside, the sunlight, the fresh air, all of the things that go along with that. There's some interesting research about how being connected to nature can just decrease our stress levels just by being in nature. So all of these things are so good. So consider moving and being mindful when you move. Maybe once a week, you decide to go to a new park or a park that you love or on a new hiking trail, and you disconnect and you just walk. Now I recommend you be safe. So I recommend you do take your phone if you're going to be on your own while you're walking outside, but just don't be on it. And instead focus on what you see, what you hear, what you taste in the air, how the wind feels on your skin. Focus on all of those things. The other way that you can be present mindfully is by eating. So many of us eat on a rush, right? We are just trying to chow it down before bed or before we run out the door for work, or we're just so hungry by the time we eat that we scarf it down. That is me a hundred percent. I don't think I chew 20 times. You're supposed to chew like 40 times. It's been a real struggle for me. I love food. I love the taste of food and I want it all in my stomach right now. But being mindful when we eat is another great way to practice this. Because there's so many sensations that you can focus on that can keep your attention on it. So even the process of making the food. I'm loving springtime, summertime with the farmer's market open. I start this process when I think about it. I start this process by going to the farmer's market. And I just make it an experience from start to finish. I go, I focus on all the vegetables. I have them put it in the bag for me because I can't touch them. And I just see all the beautiful colors. I'm focusing on what I'm seeing, on the things I'm smelling, and I'm in the moment. I take them home and then I put out my cutting board. I grab my favorite knife and I start chopping up my veggies, my cherry tomatoes. Mm, They're so beautiful and orange. And if they're multicolored, that's even better. My bell peppers, my arugula lettuce, all of these things. I just start chopping them up and I focus on what I'm doing and even the repetitive nature of the chopping. I put it all together into a big bowl. I'm looking at all these colors. I'm smelling all of these things. I add my favorite olive oil and vinegar. I add a protein on top of it. I take it. I go outside because I love being outside. And before I even eat, this is hard, you guys, I stop and make myself just look at it. Take a deep breath in and just focus on what's in front of me and then slowly eat it, savoring each bite. I'll never forget one time when I bought a bar of chocolate. It was a very expensive bar of chocolate. And when I opened it, the inside of it said, here's how to eat this bar of chocolate. Number one, take off a small piece. Two, place it on your tongue. Three, let it melt. Four, close your eyes and experience everything you taste as it's melting savor this bar of chocolate. You're worth it. Honestly, I was like, I just want to eat the whole bar of chocolate. But I tried it this way and I enjoyed it so much more. It lasted longer. 
I I didn't overeat it because I was so focused on everything that and how it felt in the moment. It was an amazing thing to do. So physically, there's two ways you can do it by moving, especially outdoors, or by being mindful when you eat. The third way that you can practice mindfulness is in the intellectual area by actually doing more of a standard practice of mindfulness and take it into meditation. So find a room in your house or a place outside, sit, lay down, get in a comfortable position, and just allow yourself to be present in the moment by just allowing yourself to be with your thoughts, letting those thoughts pass, focusing on the present, allowing yourself to focus on yourself how you feel, how your muscles feel, how your joints feel, how your mind and your brain and your feelings are, all of those things. You can set a timer for five minutes and just do what's called a body scan, where you're scanning from head to toe, finding the places even where you're clenching or you're holding pressure or tension in your body and allow yourself to release those things. The fourth way that you can practice mindfulness is emotionally. And this one's going to be a little bit different than the others, but I believe that it is something that we should all do. And that's being mindful in our conversations with others, putting down the phone, listening to every word they're saying, and not thinking about what they just said, what you want to say, what happened yesterday, what you think that they mean by what they're saying, simply listen to what they're saying and have a conversation with them. When they're done talking, then assess what you want to say back in that moment. It's okay if there's a pause and then focus on what you're saying back, being intentional with your words. I believe that this can lead to greater areas of self-awareness and emotional awareness in the relationships that we have with the people in our lives. Because how often do we respond out of fear or anger or pain or honestly because we're hungry and we're not actually focused on the present moment? We're not focused on what the other person is saying. We're not looking at them in the eyes when they're speaking. I mean, how often do we miss that in our conversations? So I want to encourage you to be mindful in your conversations. And then the fifth way is spiritually being mindful. Now, this can look like being mindful in prayer, just focusing on pouring out everything that's in you in that moment, in that present moment, and then having a time of silence where you're able to just see how you feel after releasing all of those yearnings, desires, worries, fears. Now, I am a Christian, but you can do this in whatever religion that you are. But for me, when I am able to give God everything that is going through me, my all of the things, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I typically don't leave time to just sit and be with God and hear what he might want to say back to me after that. Allowing that time here is a great way to be mindful. You can also do this with, again, the more traditional meditation by using scripture. And maybe you have a certain word or verse that's on your heart, and that is what you stay focused and present on in the moment. Or maybe you have a positive saying or mantra that you want to focus on. 
during that time as you're trying to connect with a greater purpose for your life above and beyond yourself. Those are the five ways that you can use your pies to practice this mindfulness. And I believe it will make a huge difference when you begin implementing it in your life. So here is the key pies takeaway from today's episode. Pick one way to integrate mindfulness into your life today. One way. It can be one that I mentioned, or you can come up with one yourself. If you do, I would love to hear what it is. You can post about it in the free Working on My Pies Facebook group. Share with everyone what are some of the ways that you decided to practice mindfulness. Or send me an email. I really want to hear the way that you practice this and what difference it makes in your life. So in summary, mindfulness is a gym. And I do believe it is a key to happiness. Now, of course, I don't mean that you're always going to be happy just because you are mindful and think more about what you're doing, but I do believe that it leads to more satisfaction, more joy, more contentment in your life, which is what happiness is really all about. When you're able to start dealing with your emotions when you're able to learn how to be present in the moments that you're in, and when you're able to learn how to disconnect from the things that are trying to distract us, take our attention, and take our focus off of the things that really matter. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to itstartswithattraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.